And welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 84. Yesterday, uh, we covered Nehemiah up to chapter 4, so today we're going to continue on in chapter 5. Um, <clears throat> chapter 5 takes a kind of interesting break. Um, in chapter 4, uh, they were reconstructing the wall and the obstacles that came with re reconstructing the wall of Jerusalem. And then he, he in chapter 5, it takes a little bit of a... Uh, a little sideways, and then in chapter 6, we get back to the wall. So in chapter 5, it says in verse 1, <clears throat> uh, there was a widespread outcry uh, from the people and their wives against their Jewish countrymen. And so there was an issue uh, amongst the Jews uh, in the countryside. And, 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 and as it uh, came to pass, uh, the, some of the richer Jews were taking advantage of some of the other Jews. And it says in verse 6, I became angry. This is uh, Nehemiah. I became extremely angry when I heard their outcry against these complaints. After seriously considering the matter, I accused the nobles and officials, saying to them, each of you is charging his countrymen interest. Uh, interest. So I called a large assembly against them and said, we have done our best to buy back our Jewish countrymen who were sold to foreigners, but now you sell your own countrymen. So what were they doing? So essentially what was happening is that the, the poor Jews had to pay uh, tax to the kingdom and they couldn't continue to pay uh, tax. Remember, they were under the Persian government now and they couldn't continue to pay tax to the king and maintain their properties. And so some of the richer Jews uh, would buy them out. And so they bought out their property and then charge or give them loans, I should say, and then charge them uh, maybe exorbitant interest rates on those loans such that the poor Jews could not continue to hold on to their land. And then therefore the richer Jews acquired their land. And so that's what was happening. And so it says in verse nine, then I said, uh, what you are doing isn't right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of your God? And so he's saying, you know, what are you doing to your brothers? You know, why are you taking their land underhandedly uh, the way you're doing it? Don't you fear the Lord, our, the Lord, our God, because you're not supposed to be doing this. In verse 11, it says, uh, Nehemiah says, return their fields, vineyards, olive, uh, olive groves and houses to them immediately along with the percentage of the money, grain, new wine, and fresh oil that you have been assessing them. In other words, give them everything back that you unjustly took from them, is what Nehemiah is saying. And verse 12, they responded, we will return these things and require nothing more from them. We will do as you say. And so <clears throat> the richer Jews um, uh, acquiesced and says, okay, we'll give everything back. And then... Um, and in the, the second half of chapter five, Nehemiah takes another little jog here and, and, and basically wants to bring the Lord's uh, uh, attention to what he, Nehemiah, has been doing to make sure that the Lord doesn't forget him. And it says in verse 14, furthermore, from the day King Artaxerxes appointed me to be their governor in the land of Judah. And so I don't know if I went over this before, but uh, not only did he go back, the cupbearer Nehemiah, back to Judah, but the king made him the governor west of the Euphrates. So he's the, he's the governor now. He's the head dog. And it says um, uh, to be their governor, I and my associates never ate from the food allotted to the governor. Verse 15, the governors who preceded me had heavily burdened the people, taking from them uh, food and wine, as well as a pound of silver. And their, their subordinates also were taken from the people. And so Nehemiah is saying, the people, the governors before me took advantage of the people. He's essentially saying, look, Lord, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then 
And we drop down, uh, what is this verse? Uh, well, I guess this is verse 18. It says, uh, but I didn't demand the food allotted to the governor. In other words, I didn't take what was rightfully mine to take. I didn't demand the food allotted to the governor because the burden on the people was so heavy. And then in verse 19, this is what he says. Remember me favorably, my God, for all that I have done for this people. <laughs> so Nehemiah is putting a little plug in for himself. You know, remember me, Lord. When you think about me, everything that I didn't do uh, that I could have done to take advantage of this people, but I did not do it because I fear you, God. And so uh, and then in chapter six, we go back to the construction of the wall. And it says when Shambalat, Tobiah, uh, Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that no gap was left in it. Uh, Sambalat and Gershom sent uh, me a message. Come, let's meet together in the village of Oh No, in the village of the Oh No Valley. Oh No, in the village of the Oh No Valley. Uh, they were planning to harm me. Verse three. So I sent messengers to them saying I am doing important work and cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I uh, while I leave and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same proposal and I gave them the same re reply. And so Sambalad and Gershom, you know, they, they, they are Geshem, I should say, not Gershom, Geshem. Um, they did not like Nehemiah. They did not like what he was doing. And so they were trying to harm him. And so they said, come meet us in the valley. Uh, let's meet together in the villages of the Ono Valley. Uh, but Nehemiah could see through their schemes. And so he wasn't going to go down there so that he could put himself in harm's way. <clears throat> and, and so Sambalat sent him another message um, and uh, basically accusing him of trying to plot a rebellion against the kingdom. And so, um, you know, but uh, uh, Nehemiah wasn't falling for that. And so, uh, so he didn't go for a fifth time. And so then in verse 10, uh, we move on to a different event. And it says, I went to the house of uh, Shemaniah, um, who was restricted to his house. I don't know why he was restricted to his house. He said, let's meet at the house of God inside the temple. Let's shut the temple doors because they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you tonight. And so uh, uh, Shemaiah is trying to uh, convince him that they're coming to kill him tonight. So come, let's go to the temple, shut the doors, implying that you'll be safe. I'll keep you safe, whatever. Verse 11, but I, Nehemiah said, should a man like me run away? Hmm. How can someone like me enter the temple and live? I will not go. Verse 12, I realized that God had not sent him because of the prophecy spoke against me. Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. He was hired so that I would be intimidated, do as he suggested, sin, and get a bad reputation in order that they could discredit me. And so again, uh, uh, Nehemiah is getting discernment from the Lord you know, with regard to the schemes and plots and things that are going on against him. And so he's discerning the voice of the Lord, and therefore that discernment is then guiding his actions. And, oh, Lord, how, how, how desperately we need that in our lives in these times. We need the discernment of your voice and so that we can hearken up unto your voice and do exactly what you tell us to do. Not what we think we should do, not what we heard we should do or whatever, but what you have instructed us to do. That is what we want to hear and that is what we want to do. And then in verse 14, it says, my God, remember Tobiah and Sambalat for what they have done. And also the prophetess 
uh, Noadiah and the other prophets uh, who wanted to intimidate me. And so <laughs> Nehemiah is calling on the voice of the Lord uh, to hear me, Lord. And, and these people, and he's calling them out by name, they've been trying to harm me. And so, uh, Lord, I'm pleading with you that, uh, that they would not succeed and that they would get what they deserve is essentially what Nehemiah is saying. And then in verse 15, it says, um, the wall was completed in 52 days on the 25th day uh, of the month of, El- of Elul. Yeah, Elul. When all our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated and lost their confidence, for they realized that this task had been accomplished by our God. Now think about it, 52 days, that's not even two months. And as we discussed yesterday, if, if this is an accurate description of the wall, which is about two and a half miles long, about 40 feet high, and about eight feet wide, doing that in less than two months, you know, with hand construction, as it used to be done in the day, placing stones and, and that sort of thing. It had to be the hand of God that assisted building this wall. And so it says that apparently the other uh, nations acknowledged that and realized that, and they became intimidated by it. And so we go on to chapter 7, and we see that it says, When the wall had been rebuilt and I had uh, the doors installed, the gatekeepers, singers, and Levites appointed, then I put my brother Hanani in charge of Jerusalem with Hananiah, commander of the fortress, because he was faithful, who feared God more than most. And so now Nehemiah is appointing people um, in charge of various aspects of things. And one of the criteria is how faithful faithful they were to the Lord. And so he's saying that uh, a man who feared God, God more than most. And so that's why Hananiah was commander of the fortress. And in verse four, it says the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it and no houses had been built yet. Uh, Then my God put it into my mind to assemble the nobles, uh, the officials and the people to be registered by genealogy. And so he's looking over the city. This wall is completed, a spacious city, but very few people. Then he remembered, ah, there are people that came before me uh, that came with Zerubbabel and then people that came with Ezra. And so then what happened was um, he found uh, the genealogical book of the people that came with Zerubbabel. And then uh, the rest of uh, chapter seven, the majority of it goes over essentially the same thing uh, that it went over uh, before in um, uh, the book of Ezra, I believe it was, when uh, Zerubbabel came and listed all the families and the numbers of the families and so on and so forth. And so chapter seven goes over all that and says in verse 66, the whole combined assembly numbered 42,360, not including the 7,337 male and female ser- male and female servants, as well as their 245 male and female singers. And so he found that book, and from, uh, from that genealogical book, then now he could go about planning the repopulation or resettling of Jerusalem um, uh, of the Jews that had preceded him. And so uh, chapter 8, we go on, and it says, On the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra um, brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. (laughs) So if you could listen with understanding, I guess you were invited um, to come and hear this. And it says in verse 5, 
Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people, since he was elevated above everyone. As he opened it, all the people stood up. So he opened the book of the law, and all the people stood up in order to honor the reading of the word. Verse 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. Then they knelt low and worshiped the Lord uh, with their faces to the ground. And then it says in, in verse 7, Joshua, Bani, uh, Sherebiah, Jamin, uh, Achab, but it, it lists a whole bunch of Levites. And it says, um, expanded the law to the, or excuse me, explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. And so the Levites, the priests, then proceeded to explain, explain to the, uh, the law to the people. In, in essence, they began to teach them, teach them the law. In verse 8, uh, they read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. And so this is similar as to what happens in, in churches and synagogues today. You know, the word gets read, then it gets explained, it's bounded on and whatnot, so people can understand what's in it and not just take what is said, but actually uh, understand it. And, 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 and to me, this is an, uh, an admonition. Uh, to me, this is, you know, the Lord uh, telling his people, look, you need to understand what's in my word. You know, you need to understand what's in my word. The onus is on you to understand what's in my word. I have my teachers, my rabbis, whatever you want to call them, you know, priests, uh, 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 shepherds, uh, pastors, whatever, in place to explain things to you, but it's on you to understand what's in here. And this is a, um, a pretty big motivation as to why I'm doing this is because I want people to understand what's in the word and not just to take what they hear from somebody else that's in it. That's why we're going through this thing. And it says in verse 10, then he said to them, after they had done this, uh, and, you know, read the word, explained the word, he says, uh, go eat what, you, what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared. Since today is... Um, since today is holy to our Lord, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so what happened is that as the word was being read and explained, the people started weeping and crying because they, re uh, they realized how wretched their behavior had been. Uh, but then the word comes forth, go eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared. And so it says, no, we're celebrating. We're celebrating. It says in verse 12, then all the people began to eat and drink, send portions and, send portions and have a great celebration because they had understood the words that were explained to them. They celebrated the fact that they understood. They, they realized that this was from God, that God was trying to assist them in living, how to live rightly before him. And so as it's being explained and as they're understanding, now they're celebrating. That's an awesome response celebrating their understanding, you know. <clears throat> and so we go over to chapter 9, and we see that um, on the 24th day of this month, yeah, on the 24th day of this month, the Israelites assembled. They were fasting, wearing sackcloth, and had uh, put dust on their heads. Those of the Israelite uh, descent separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the inequities of their fathers. While they stood in their places, they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for, the fourth, um, for, for a fourth of the day and spent another fourth of the day in confession and worship of the Lord their God. <clears throat> and it says Jeshua, Bani, uh, Kamil, I guess, 
Shimbaniah, uh, Boni, uh, Sherebiah. Um, this is all these people, <laughs> probably butchered their names, but all these people um, that were raised on a platform built for the Levites and cried out loudly to the Lord their God. Then the Levites said, stand up, uh, blessed be the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. And then if you read in the rest of chapter 9, they go through a whole litany of the history of Israel and all the sins that they committed against the Lord, even though all of the good things that he had done for them, um, uh, they experienced the good things and forgot them and then sinned. And so they go through all these sins. And so, again, we have to remember these are exiles that have come out of Babylon, don't understand all the history. You know, we're talking about hundreds of years of history prior to them. And so their history has to be constantly from generation to generation, every new generation coming along. They have to be educated on what happened in the past when they violated the rules, the tenets, and policies of the Lord. And so they go through this whole thing, and, uh, and they recognize their sin. And so when they recognize their sin, um, then uh, in verse 10 is about their commitment to a vow of faithfulness. And so, again, in chapter 9, they go through all of the sins that they have committed so that the entire you know, uh, public, the whole body of um, Israelites recognized, okay, this is what our ancestors have done wrong and, and, and the sins they committed. So they acknowledge those things. And it says in verse 10, well, this is the end of verse 9. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement in writing on a sealed document containing the names of our leaders, Levites, and priests. Now in chapter 10, verse 1, those, uh, those whose seals were on the document were the governor, Nehemiah, and then it goes through a bunch of people that signed this document. So again, they went through all the list of sins that the uh, Israeli nation had uh, created or committed. And then they said, okay, we're done with that. Now we're going to sign this, um, this document, this vow of faithfulness. And so uh, Nehemiah and a whole bunch of people signed it. And it says in verse 28 of chapter 10, the rest of the people, the priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, and temple servants, along with their wives, sons, and daughters, everyone who is able to understand and who has uh, separated themselves from the surrounding peoples to obey the law of God, joined with their noble brothers to commit themselves with a sworn oath uh, to follow the law of God given through the God's servants, given through God's servant Moses to obey carefully all the commands, ordinances, and statutes of the Lord our God. In verse 30, and so these are the details of the vow. This is what they vowed to do. We will not give our daughters in marriage to the surrounding peoples and will not take their daughters as wives for our sons. And so they get back on the marriage things because that this was a key thing. It says, we're not going to violate the Lord in this area. In verse 31, it says, when the surrounding peoples bring merchandise of any kind of grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or Holy day. And so they're, they're vowing not to work on the Sabbath day, <clears throat> which had been forgotten and violated. Then it says in verse 32, we will impose uh, the following commands on ourselves to give an eighth of an ounce of, to give an eighth of an ounce of silver yearly for the service of the house of our God. 
And then it goes on. It says in verse 35, we will bring the first fruits of our land and of uh, every uh, fruit tree to the Lord's house year by year. We will also bring the first fruits of our sons and our livestock as prescribed by the law. We will bring the firstborn of our herds to the flocks of the house of our God, to the priests who serve in God's house. We will bring a loaf uh, from our first batch of dough to the priests um, at the storerooms of the house of our God. We will also bring the first fruits of our grain offering of every fruit tree and of every and of the new wine and fresh oil. A tenth of our land's produce belong to the Levites for the Levites are to collect a one tenth um, offering in our architectural towns. A priest from Aaron's descendants is to, descendants is to accompany the Levites when they collect the tenth and the Levites are to take a tenth of this offering to the storehouses uh, to the storerooms of the treasury in the house of our God. For the Israelites and Levites are to bring the contributions of grain, new wine, and fresh oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are kept and where the priests who ministers are along with the gatekeepers and singers. We will not neglect the house of our God. And so in this last section here, a lot of what they're vowing to do is to care for the house of God because the house of God was the center of the community. It represented the heartbeat of the community. And when the temple got ignored, then the people suffered. And so they made sure that they were going to do what they were assigned to do, what they were oblig uh, obligated to do uh, through the book of the law of Moses in order to take care of the house of God. And so with that, we're going to conclude for today and we're going to pick it up in chapter 11 tomorrow. Um, everybody have a blessed day and take care. Bye bye now.